Hey friends, this is Holly Bame Lytle, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism in the Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's panel of exceptional autism parents. All right. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Isaac's Autism in the Wild. And I am very lucky to have my friend um, Cran- or Carter Crandall from Blythe Interiors joining me for this particular episode. And Carter, you and I know each other because we do a networking group and you are the interior designer that's in our networking group. And so every week we have breakfast together and every week you share like just um, you share a 60 second commercial, if you will, about like interior. And uh, and I've teased you multiple times that we hey, we can be really good friends because one of the things I love about you is you say that you have a trucker mouth, which, hey, that is like you're my spirit animal. Um, I limit and, you know, like control myself for podcasting. But occasionally, still some dicey stuff comes out when we're podcasting. But, um, but what? And I tease you because I love everything that you're. I'm so fascinated by it. Like I could listen to you talk for hours about. And then you bring pictures and visuals. And then when you do like your big presentation every like so often, then it's just like I'm blown away about this world of interior design. Um, but you and I have connected outside of our BNI group because you are also the mom of a young man with high functioning Correct. autism. So we have that connection as well because we're kind of living similar mm-hmm. lives, mm-hmm. just um, different school mm-hmm. districts, but just similar lives. And so, um, and I've gotten to meet your husband. And, and so we have that connection. But then that has kind of led us down this road of even just talking about interior design and how it relates to kids on the autism spectrum. And it's funny because as I think every time I listen to you talk, I think to myself about, you know, when you're talking about things that work and things that don't, which is totally my house, which is why like we can be really good friends. We can go drink, we can swear together, but like you can never come to my house because you would be like, Whoa, what just happened here? It's like a frat house. Let me just tell you. Um, and I don't mean like, you know, messy, like a frat house, but just nothing matches. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like, Oh, you're giving away something for free. Yeah. Like sure. I'll take it. I'm sure I can find some place. We like to call that eclectic. Yes. Oh yeah. So eclectic, (laughs) but here's the thing. I don't love it. It drives me absolutely nuts because I can tell you, I can absolutely walk into a space and be like, this from a sensory perspective, it's calming. It helps me like have better, like mental organization. And then like when you show some of the pictures of the before and the after, like my brain is just like, oh man, I can see where that is very satisfying and appealing, which has then had our conversations surrounded around sensory friendly spaces Mm -hmm. for kids on the autism spectrum. And so we're going to be talking um, primarily about that because I wanted to pick your brain and just have you offer some suggestions. But first and foremost, let's talk about Blythe Interiors because you are not from Spokane. I am not from Spokane. So tell us how you got here. So we are a family that is a military family, actually retired now. My husband was in the military for 24 years. We've moved kind of all over. And when it came time for him to retire, we looked for a forever place because we just needed out of California. Because you're in San Diego. Yeah, in San Diego. And that's... Love the weather, wouldn't want to live there. And I love the weather too until I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you just told me you got back and you're like, oh, it's too hot. I was like, don't talk to me. And that's silly to say when it's 30 degrees here, but 70 (laughs) there. But you just, I just can't handle, I'm just in that time of my life where heat is an issue. 
Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm in the hot yeah. flash life portion of my life, and it sucks. Yeah. So, so we kind of had a myriad of of choices, and Spokane was really at the bottom of the list. Never really heard about it. Never popped up on our radar. Then when it finally did, we came out, looked around, stayed downtown, um, and just kind of decided we were over having to make the decision, and this was good. And as we've been here, it's gotten better every month, every activity that we do, every place that we explore, um, it's gotten better and better. So that's how we came personally to Spokane. And then when I decided to move away from California, Blythe Interiors didn't want to lose me. So we, and I can see why I see your <sighs> stuff you. and I'm like, I mean, I'm so je- like in my mind, I'm like, someday I'm going to have you will Carter come to my house because I recognize when you're showing those pictures and you talk about spaces and how they function. And I can definitely say there's a lot of benefit, not just to mm-hmm. me, like, because mm-hmm. you, you, you know, I want things to be pretty, but I want things to be functional, but more and more, like when I enter spaces where I'm like, ew, now that I know you and I've heard you talk enough, I'm now starting to realize that why am I not very comfortable or at ease here? And it has a lot to do with how, like, just what's going on in the environment. Absolutely. And for our kiddos that, that are on the spectrum, you know, it affects them a quite a bit more. It's just that the volumes kind of turned up a little bit more for them that yeah. they see things a little different. So, so Blythe was like, we can't lose. Yeah. You. Blythe yeah. said they can't lose me. So we kind of decided to strike up this, um, idea that we open up a Spokane office and that's what I'm here doing. And so we started with the BNI with some, um, networking in that arena and kind of moving out. We are, of course, and of course, strong, word of mouth, word of word mouth. Of mouth. We're very mouth. strong on Instagram. We're very strong on yeah. Facebook. Um, in San Diego, the company grew just purely by word of mouth, and it was small to begin with. And then we grew really fast because we decided we saw that there was a need for affordable interior design. And that's what I love. I love your tagline and affordable interior design. And it, you know, interior design in itself has always been viewed as a luxury product, as yes. a luxury service. And I don't think it needs to be because good design, pretty spaces, high functioning spaces should be available to everybody at every price point. And I don't have to just binge watch HDTV you do not, to be able to figure it out. Most of the time, out. actually, it's not reality that HDTV no. portrays. Yeah. And they don't explain some of the stuff mm-hmm. that you do. Like you were talking about like backsplashes, just take it up as high as you mm-hmm. can. And then you explained why. And then I was like, that makes total sense. But they don't tell you that in HDTV. Right. They just start showing you like all of the, we're going to take this space and we're going to do this. We're going to put this backsplash on. Not why, right. you know, it's the height that it is, the colors that you're picking. They don't tell they don't you any of that. And you are really like, that's why I'm just so mesmerized whenever you talk. Yeah. It's Thank like, you. Oh gosh, this makes so much more sense than HDTV. Yeah. And HGTV very much puts out a false reality of budgets and timelines for design projects, because really to do it correctly, it's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you time, but this is your forever space. And maybe it's something that isn't for your your forever space. You're going to move out, but you want to get top dollar for it. So you have to think about a lot of parameters in resell. And, um, but as it's your space for that time, it should be perfect for you. Yeah. So we try to help you. And you made a crack one time when we were texting about like, you know, your bedroom is your like Zen zone. And like, I was just like, oh my gosh, like, what would that be? Like, (laughs) I could totally understand, like, you know, pick one space that you want to like do. And then that's like your place where you go reorganize. And, and I'm like, oh, that makes sense too. Which is what then made me think about, hmm. 
So, you know, part of Caleb's biggest challenge, and I know a lot of families who would agree is that, you know, the, their brain is just, it's, it's uh, like what you were saying, the volume mm-hmm. is turned up. So, um, you know, there are some places where, you know, Caleb just in public places that Caleb doesn't want to be. And when you think about why that is, is because they're sensory overwhelming, right. but now knowing you and be hearing some of what you're talking about and then how I feel when I go into certain places, like you can walk in, there's one woman that I, um, have connected with that, you know, it's a LC high school, um, like PTO thing. And she's had us over to her house to work on a couple of projects. And I walk into her house and I'm like, Oh man, this is so comfortable and awesome. But it's because the space has, you know, she spent a lot of time, um, probably had somebody come in Mm -hmm. and consult on the space and how it's set up and the colors. And it just is, it all works together and you just feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's really made me start thinking about when you suggested in that text message about like, you know, that's where your bedroom needs to be your safe place where you just go lock, you know, like close the door and like nobody's allowed in there. I'm like, Oh gosh, that sounds like heaven. But then what about creating that type of environment for Caleb for like his room? You know what I mean? So he has that place when he's overwhelmed. Um, You know, how do we start looking at creating sensory friendly spaces for them, even within our home? So it's not probably practical, um, at least for me right now to, like tackle my whole Mm -hmm. whole house because that's just not going to work. So, you know, thinking about like a bedroom space and what makes practical sense for kids who have that volume turned up and they get overwhelmed. So have you now, number one, first and foremost, I'm going to pause here because I want to get to that point. But before we hit record, you were telling me that there are interior designers Mm -hmm. who for a living specialize in working and consulting on spaces for people with disabilities. Absolutely. And most of the time, so if you're going to look for them, you want to look for somebody who has a LEAD certification, and that's L-E-E-D. Okay. And that stands for Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design. And so I think being in the industry for a long time, it's kind of um, a new way of saying ADA compliancy, things like that, because it's a little bit more inclusive. It's like the PC, it's the PC term for what that is. Yeah. And so we, and most of the time it's discussed amongst the commercial world that we're tr- because it's kind of becoming fascinating not only do we have to pay attention to senior living and what we call aging in place but we have that for the autism spectrum just as much when we have kiddos that are staying with us for most of their adolescent to teenage life then to adult life well what happens when the parents pass on where yeah. do those kiddos go so we're starting to see an influx of facilities that are maintaining that lifestyle for them. So it's a, it's a growth community for the autism child that becomes an adult that becomes, you know, an, an elder as well. And so there's a few places that are popping up. So there is professional focus on this is what you're telling me. And I never knew this. Sure. But it's growing. It's because it's going to have to, when you're talking about just pure numbers and statistical data, we're going to have to be that focus is going to be growing. Yeah. More people are going to be having that certification, mm-hmm. which you're saying is called lead, lead right? Lead L-E-E-D. Okay. Um, and so I'm guessing that probably more populated areas, like you're going to see more of those people, with those certifications, like in mm-hmm. Seattle mm-hmm. in like San yeah. Diego, big metropolitan bigger, areas, yeah. um, Minneapolis and um, Los Angeles, but it's going to catch on. It's, it's going to sure. catch on and kind of trickle down to the smaller communities um, but it's really important, I think, as again, the numbers keep growing for autism. It's just, you know, going to lend itself into well, what happens in the future. And so at least it's 
it's giving those questions to what happens in the future, but also what do we do now? What do we, can we do for these kiddos right now with their spaces? Because it's super important and having a kid on the spectrum, I've had to personally study it for 12 years as my kid is 12 years old and figure out how his experience in all the environments that he gets in throughout the day have affected him. Yes. Um, and that, of course, because my brain goes there and that's my wheelhouse, that's where I really started is how is the environment that he's in affecting him as opposed to maybe somebody else who might go, well, is it his diet? Is it his... Um, that was my immediate yeah. go-to. Things that I can tangibly fix, mm-hmm. which is diet and you know sleep mm-hmm. modification, mm-hmm. like that sort of thing, as opposed to never in my wildest dreams was I ever really thinking about interior design and how spaces are set up in terms of sensory support right. until you and I started talking about it in more detail. Right. And how we kind of talk about it with people who are in the community is we use the word design empathy to say not everybody experiences a room, a space. Mm-hmm a color, um, a, the lighting, like everybody else. And when we're doing a space, whether it's commercial or residential, we really hit, try to hit the main points of um, lighting, acoustics, toxicology, which is part of the lead world as well. So that means where was our furniture derived from? Is it natural product? Oh. The fabric, is it all cotton? Is it polyester? Um, some kids have high allergies, high sensitivity to, to tactile as well as the material itself. So we, we have to ask those questions, you know, when we have a a client who we're designing a new bedroom or a new space, does your kid have any allergies? Are there tactile sensitivities? Um, lighting, lighting is so big because what, with the transition of lighting from incandescent to CFLs now to LEDs. There is a, an a auditory component to lighting. Yes, so much. And it can buzz. And we may not be able to hear that as a neurotypical, but for other individuals, it's like I said, it's just the volume is turned up. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever, you know, thinking about too, when the power goes mm-hmm. out and you experience what total silence is yeah. from electronic interference, yes. it is like deafening yes. when all of a sudden you experience true silence. Yeah. Um, but it takes the power going out for you really to realize <laughs> how much volume they're actually electronics, components, lights, everything mm-hmm. creates, mm-hmm. you know, even the refrigerator. Absolutely. The fridge is big. Is a huge yeah. sound. Yes. Like I have to be on it. Oh, I hate Coke machines or like pop yeah. machines. Yeah. Oh gosh. I just feel like they're just so loud and it just, they bug me so much. So here's one of the things I want to make sure that we are highlighting because all the things I think everyone listening will be able to figure out that you are highly educated. So yeah. up until the time I got to know you and listen to you talk about your profession, I guess I just assumed that interior designers were people that just had a natural knack for like, just like things that are pretty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And then when you talk about all of your education, all the certifications, all the I mean, it's not just um, it's not even just going to like a community no. college no. Um, or just binge watching yeah. HGTV, no, please, although please no. <laughs> please no talk. Let's talk a little bit about just education and certifications that you have to have that make you qualified sure. to be able to do what you do, because I think it's going to blow people's mind just understanding the difference. Yeah. So we you know, we often are called interior decorators. And when you're a designer and you hold a degree, it makes, it's a little cringe worthy for us. So sorry, decorators that are out there, but we go to school for four years in our field 
And it's four years intensive. I went to school also two years prior to that for just my AA and then was hardcore within interior design for four years. We learn codes. We learn how to draft. We are what I would like to say is a few steps down from an architect. We are allowed yeah. to move walls. We're allowed to do all the... Um, because you understand load-bearing... Yes, because you have to study yeah. that. Even though there's still um, supportive professions out there that we need, which are engineers, we do need architects for um, roof structures and things like that. But man, there is so much education that goes along. So I hold a BFA, which is a Bachelor's in Fine Arts in Interior Design. And we can get up to having a master's degree. There's actually um, doctorates that you can get in interior design. And that's when we get really into the scope of the science behind it, behind interior design. So outside of that, we have to also take a test that's called the NCIDQ, which is the National Certification for Interior Designers Qualification. So it's like a board exam. exam. So Yeah. yeah, so we we take a test for that. Um, then you can participate in societies such as ASID, IIDA, and then um, outside of those, then you can go on and get your specific certifications, which would be that LEED certified. Okay. Um, and there's a few more, but I can't think of them. Off so it's the like top becoming of my head. a teacher and having a teaching certificate, but mm-hmm. then having a special ed Correct. certificate. Like, so you have to take extra um, classes yep. and you have to have a certain number of credits. And then there's that element of certification for that special right. ed piece. And then there's so, CEUs that we still have to continue just to make sure that we're still on the up and up of new codes. And you're staying current. Yeah. 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 That's the thing too. Anytime a code mm-hmm. changes, you have to make sure that you're like maintaining. And I would imagine no matter where you live, yep. different codes. Yeah. So you have to become proficient in what the code yeah. is. So and there's Spokane the, mm-hmm, versus San exactly. Diego. The, California usually is about the most stringent that you can get. So we always kind of joke in, in the industry, be like, well, if it's a California code, then we're going to pretty much be able to pass anywhere. But that's mm-hmm. what we use. And so moving to Spokane and having to learn a little bit of the different things that I don't necessarily need out here um, has been a little refreshing. So there's always sure. a learning curve. Um, but yeah. Okay. See, that's actually the thing. That was my biggest epiphany, which then when we were talking about spaces that are sensory supportive my first question is number one, is it possible in your professional opinion? Now understand you're not a lead, mm-hmm. you're not mm-hmm. lead certified or have that cert- qualification, but do you believe it's possible to make spaces that are sensory supportive to, for everyone? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. But you need to have a little bit more of information coming in to know how people experience the spaces. So it's best to kind of um, consult an interior designer just to maybe view the space as you are now, how much light, natural light is coming in? What kind of flooring are you planning on putting down? Wall color. um, Those are all things that matter when you experience a space. So for a kiddo, let's just talk about like kids that are visually sensitive. We have some Mm -hmm. of those kids that are just visually like can become visually overstimulated very Mm -hmm. easily, but then we can have kids that are sensory Mm -hmm. seeking. We can still create a sensory supportive environment where both of them would be successful. See, and that's where, and that's, what's really encouraging to me is that, you know, we don't, um, it is possible, but again, we have to know what the parameters are. And that's where I think where you're like the specific training and not just, this isn't HDTV where we're just, you know, willing to like, here's the other thing too, is that, um, you know, we like 
my son, Caleb, his favorite color is green. Um, and what you would tend to do is be like, okay, so we're going to do his whole right. room in green because that's what right. he likes. He's, you know, this is me. Great. But yet that actually could be a terrible, terrible idea. idea. Terrible, terrible, terrible idea. I just got a request here the other day. Um, you know, we do weighted blankets for, um, kids and adults, um, that have autism and other disabilities. And the mom was saying, Hey, um, he loves red. He's super motivated. I think red, anything with red and dinosaurs. It's so funny. Cause if you could see her, just right now, it's just like, she just cringed. <laughs> she totally cringed. And in my mind, I was like, Oh, all right. If you want red dinosaurs, you yeah. know, like red weighted blanket and some dinosaurs, like, okay. Because by and large, um, the most trouble that we've had in terms of kids not um, taking to a weighted blanket was because red is a trigger. It color. is a very big, and it's very color. stimulating. Uh-huh. And it's one of those things where I was just kind of like, oh my gosh, like, oh, okay, well, if that's what you're asking for, then like, sure, we'll yeah. do it. But we as an organization have kind of seared away from a lot of red because for what, and I don't know why. Right. Again, I'm just it going is off nationally of just 12 years. As okay. the number one trigger color, not only in kids with autism, but in senior living facilities as well. Interesting. It's fascinating. Isn't that funny? And again, I have no, I have no basis for, it's just like my experiences that yeah. like I cringe. I get yeah. cringy when people are saying red, red, let's do red. Now keep in mind, I love red. It's my favorite color. I'm actually wearing red <laughs> right now. Um, I do love red, but like I would be, um, I would never put it in my but house. But it has like, too much again, of a vibration, because, a visual vibration yeah. for it to be on your walls. In Correct. every single space, because it's so, um, I'll call it a bully color. It's, it, you see it more than any other color. Yeah. So that's so funny because I gotta be honest with you in previous years, not now, um, I do tend to wear red, uh, when I'm going, when I'm upset or I'm trying to like, if I'm going into a meeting and it has been confrontational in the past, I will intentionally wear red <laughs> because you're right. It is kind of a, a bully. bully. Co- like you are not going to push yeah. me around. Like, so don't even think. So it's not that I have the intention of bullying anyone. It's to set that tone of like, I am not going to be right. bullied. So don't try right. it. So, um, and that's, you know, again, so when people ask me for like red weighted blankets, I'm kind of like, oh, like, okay. are you sure? I know. Be really dark pink. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, and I, again, I'm no designer. Trust me. If you saw my house, you'd be like, yeah, yeah. you're not a designer. You don't even probably watch HGTV because I don't. It's just, I feel really bad about myself when I start watching these like shows about, you know, design spaces and how to like, how to do some in one weekend, boom, boom, boom. And yeah, you're done. Just, yeah. Yeah. It's just not me. So, okay. Yeah. So that is really interesting. So. What are some of the things, um, that, okay. Number one, like I said, you know, for me, like Caleb loves Mm -hmm. green, but yet I'm thinking, so my go-to would be like, okay, so he loves green. So I'm going to buy him a green comforter and green this, and I'm going to put some green on the wall. And you're saying basically beep, beep, stop the bus. Let's just take a pause. So what we, what primary colors are terrible, no matter what, no matter what, what. and so stay away from from primary primary colors. colors. We want to encourage people to gray them down. So okay. it's kind of hard to do that with a red, but let's just stay away from red, period. Yeah, we're not even talking yeah. about red. Red is just a bad so when bully we get color. into that, the blues, the greens, stay away from yellow as well, because that's really a hard color to just work anything in with. Um, let's say you gray down that green and you end up with kind of a khaki or an army green. And, and on fan decks that paint comes on, you can see that there's clearly a spectrum um, you want to stick with things that have a gray undertone because they're just perceived softer. Okay. Uh, not that you can't have a dark room because some kiddos like a dark room. My son actually mm-hmm. requested a black room. And so I didn't oh. choose a hard black. I, it was a very soft black that 
kind of, I guess, a charcoal that has a lot of gray undertones to it so that I can mix it with other colors. And what I've always said, even for neurotypicals, um, regular spaces, don't let your most, your biggest piece be your loudest piece. I kind of view a room as if I'm listening to the symphony. And if I hear one instrument louder than the other, it drives me bonkers. So the same thing, really good analogy, that, that approach for spaces as well. If I walk into a space and I see something that's just louder than everything else, it bothers me. And, and so if you think about that's how kiddos really see everything. So if the lighting is really bright, the colors are really bold on the walls, the floor is bright. And I know that we're going to get into this too, but think of a school classroom. Yes. And I have literally yeah. just described a school classroom yes. today. Primary colors. And we, yes. Right. And lights. we were going to talk about that too. Yeah. yeah. So again, if your kiddo wants to have a, you know, navy is their favorite color, um, green, let's just take it down and bring some grays into it. So it becomes muted and muddled. It's okay. So it's okay in most mm-hmm. circumstances to incorporate some of their favorite Absolutely. colors into the space. We just have to be careful about muting yeah. them. So they're still present. Yeah. So we're not saying no, don't we're use their favorite saying, colors, yeah. but understand that that is not actually what's going to create like their favorite color all over the room is not what's going to create that sensory supportive right. space. Okay. So what are like biggest things to like, so, um, what are other things that you would recommend that families need to be? So is less more? Less is always more, always more. So we also try to encourage families to, you know, there's multiple steps when we go in and do a design session with people. It's number one, clutter. Clutter is so much chaos for these kiddos. And it's to be honest, it's chaos for anybody to walk into a space. So getting your clutter down, putting things away. We, and we also say, you know, if there's money in the budget, built-ins are always better than individual pieces of furniture. So we're simplifying the space. We're, we're opening things up. So instead of having more pieces Mm -hmm. of furniture that are hiding the clutter, Mm -hmm. do build like build-ins that are part of the space but contain some of the yeah. clutter. And then they okay. blend into the walls. Let's paint them the wall colors and maybe they're a white so that there's something, a, a, a spot for everything in, in your house. We like to, you know, the big thing right now in design is open concepts. And when, I think this is good on one hand because for kids with autism and who are on the spectrum, they want to walk into a space and previewing a space is really important to them. Yes. You know, so that they can stand back and go, okay, well, where should, where's my safe space? Where's the quiet zone? I want to stay. It helps with prediction. Yes. So they can see where people are coming, where, Absolutely. you know, yeah, things are happening. So that's where the benefit comes from open floor plans that they can stand mm-hmm. in and preview where it doesn't help us out is when there's no place for sound to absorb. So, oh, yeah. and with the, with the onset of, hardwood flooring going everywhere, the LVP going everywhere. Again, there's no sound absorption. Yes. And sounds are harsh for kids yes. that have sensitivity to it. And again, we become immune. Neurotypicals mm-hmm. become more immune mm-hmm. to that, the the reverb, yeah. if you will. Um, so what options do families have in terms of controlling sound? So we, if, if hardwood flooring, you know, the first thing we would say is if it's your, your kiddo's bedroom, put carpet in with the so, most expensive carpet padding that you can afford. Okay. Because that is just going to deaden every sound that, that is out there. So as a designer, just out of curiosity, like, are you really like, cause it does, you're absolutely right. I feel like everybody's moving mm-hmm. to the hardwood. So I'm just assuming it's just kind of like a design yeah. trip 
kind of standard for you? Is that not necessarily like the, the hard and fast rule? It, it, or? I don't think it's difficult for me because I have a different experience than most because I have a kid on the spectrum and I ask different questions. Sure. So okay. it's not a hard and fast. It's how are we going to use the space and what's most appropriate for that space? Second floors, I re- rarely like hardwood on second floors because they're so loud. The tick, tick, and it tick, creates tick. more echoey. Yeah. yeah, you're right. And so we, I really encourage to keep carpet up there. And most of the time, funny enough, men out of the couple, men are always more leaning towards carpet than hardwood flooring because it's softer on their feet. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it absorbs sound, all those benefits. However, if that you have to have hardwood flooring and that's just your dream, then you need to invest in some area rugs with cart with pads underneath them. Pads Don't underneath them. Don't just lay an area rug down on your on your wood floor and call it a day. You have to get a pad under there. And, okay. And that's for absorption. It's it for sound help. absorption okay. as well as slippage. So that's kind of a problem. The highest pile that you can get for again, if you have sound sensitive people in your home, that's going to absorb everything. Window treatments. A lot of people want to shy away from them. Now this could be a problem for allergy prone kids. Yes. Sure. Then you need to stay within the cottons, the linens, something that you can wash so that you can keep that or steam clean, but that's going to absorb your sound as well. Artwork on the walls or having acoustical panels that now that we can, we found a few companies that do artwork, acoustical panels. So now they don't look ugly. Okay. So you can actually hide some of that acoustic material within things that are like your artwork that's Mm -hmm. on the wall. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's interesting. And then lighting. Lighting is another overhead lighting, kind of the worst thing that you can possibly do for your kids that are on the spectrum because they're harsh. I mean, it's the worst thing you can do for yourself, period, because they don't give you the most beautiful light. So having, we light a room from the top, the middle and the bottom and when we get from the top, everything has to be on a dimmer. That is a hard and fast rule that I, that is a hard for me, and it's fast a hard rule. and fast rule because some people, I have a client who she's not on the spectrum. She just has really sensitive eyes and has always had sensitive eyes. So everything we did, we couldn't see a bulb. Everything had to be on a dimmer and, and that even the dimmer had to be really something that we worked together with the electrician is like, okay, this can be your lowest setting. So these are all really, really important things that just kind of do get overlooked on HGTV. I haven't mm-hmm. seen one sensory show on that. Never. See, I feel like we're paving <laughs> we the are. way, Carter. We are just like, <laughs> we are we are just like uh, opening up people's like a whole perspectives on sensory yeah. friendly or sensory supportive spaces. And that's really, you know, sensory friendly is really not even a good word. I, I'm I, I kind of am starting to migrate and like and prefer that sensory supportive yeah. because, you know, there's just, it's crazy when you're thinking about all the little things that you can do down to area mm-hmm. rugs um, that are going to improve a space for a person that has sensory concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really important because, you know, I always, you know, again, we, we consulted and we were working with the, uh, Spokane Interstate Fairgrounds on creating the sensory day at the yep. Spokane Interstate Fair. And when they brought, brought us in to like help them plan what this would look like, you know, my first statement was, is that l- listen here, there is no way that we are going to create a fair that's going to be sensory friendly right. for everyone because everybody has different needs. So then when we were talking in my mind, I'm thinking, is it possible to even create is it possible to create spaces that are sensory supportive to all people? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's interesting when we're talking about it, 
Yes, we can, Mm -hmm. because we're considering lighting. We're considering what's on the floor. We're considering window treatments and what that looks Mm -hmm. like. Um, And so you're right, regardless of whether you're a seeking person or you're hypersensitive, those things would benefit. Right. Either end of that, that spectrum. Yeah. And even when you're in a space, it's funny that people, when I get told, oh, I don't have the money for artwork or I don't, I don't need artwork. And they just have family photos that are the little guys that are kind of plastered all over the place. Mm -hmm. That's not going to do as much as one large piece of art. And so there is more that we're solving from a, you know, it's pretty, it's beautiful. It's telling a story of, of your life, but if you've ever been in a room that doesn't have artwork, the sound just reverberates off of yes, everything. It, does. it just bounces. And so you have to pay attention to how many sounds, how many hard surfaces you have. So how that sound is going to move around in the space. Um, how many soft pieces that you're going to have that's going to absorb it. Obviously, you know, I, I to myself, I think that these are just non, no brainers, but I forget that people may not, you know, think about the acoustics of their furnishings in their home. That if you have all hard surfaces and even hard dining chairs at your dining table, we're hard and hard. So let's get in a a few upholstered pieces in there to help with the little bit of sound absorption that we can. See, so it's more than just looking good. Mm -hmm. It also is creating sensory supportive environments. Oh, that's see. And I would have told you that like as a mom, because I'm sick, I I have four kids, so I'm tired of cleaning (laughs) and wiping surfaces. But with that being said, it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm in the hunt Right. right now. Or new dining room table chairs because over time my kids have pretty much trashed yeah. them all. Like over time they've now keep in mind they're Ikea. So they're like little kid sure. pieces. Right. Um, but it was gifted to me. And again, I live in a yeah. front house. So it's like, <laughs> oh, you're giving me this table and all these chairs. Like, great. Well, now I understand why they got yeah. rid of them because it's like kindling that you're sitting on. And so when you have big kids and they're horsing around, it's like, you know, they crumble to the ground and you're like, okay, now we're down in another right. dining room chair. But so now I'm in the hunt for, okay, so I'm going to invest, I'm going to get a new table, a new like set of chairs, but now thinking about this in terms of for Caleb and sensory supportive mm-hmm. environments, it makes more sense now where I would, I would cringe away from anything with even some, some upholstery because it's like, now I'm going to have to yeah. clean it. But if really what I'm going for is to support mm-hmm. Caleb in the environment, then it's something I need to be open right. to. So is it worth cleaning it a little bit more? Perhaps. Right. Putting a little like even just, you know, making a slip cover that sits a slip on top cover of that on top of it where I can. Yeah, yeah exactly. It just makes sense. Well, it's just and in, in thinking about some modifications that I've had for Everett in school, you know, he's had a wiggle seat for years and years. Well, why then at home would I sit him on a hard on a surface hard t- on his yeah. tushy? You know, yeah. it's not something that I'm not inviting him to have conversation with me. He's just going to sit, eat as quickly as he can, and then go some sit somewhere else. Yeah. So these things that we do for our kids in their public lives and, you know, their occupation, we're not, we're not carrying it, it into our homes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm feeling kind of dumb right oh, now. Don't. Oh, don't. <laughs> yes. See, now I'm all, okay. So I'm going to move like interior decor, a designer it more into my like priorities when I'm like figuring out yeah. my spaces. Okay. So now let's transition because you get nice little segue because we wanted to talk about schools because, um, you have a kiddo yeah. on the autism spectrum. This is not our first party. We've been dealing with this yeah. for years. And, um, I just was telling you, I was recapping a conversation I had for a CPAC meeting, which is stands for uh, special education parent advisory committee. And one of the concerns that parents have rightfully so is, is that it is so difficult 
for our kids to qualify on a school level for occupational mm-hmm. therapy. Um, when it's very obvious when you're watching these kids in a classroom that they are on sensory overload, yeah. sensory overload, but yet it's not severe enough to warrant occupational therapy being mm-hmm. added because it's just very difficult to qualify for the, the most severe of the severe, yeah. like are who are getting those services. Um, so in this meeting, you know, cause again, you and I have been having these conversations um, and, and the special ed director was very kind and she's like, you know, I get it because I, myself, when I'm observing kids in these classroom environments, I'm just, you know, it's very apparent that there's kids that are just struggling in these environments because of sensory. And so that was kind of my raise my hand quite like, cause again, <laughs> nobody in this meeting at this point knew that I was Holly Isaac foundation. I was simply there because I'm Caleb and Tyler's mom. And I wanted to be, you know, part of, you know, again, always be part of the process when, you know, people are asking for an opinion, Give you one. can't complain unless you're part of the, the advisory right. process and letting them know kind of where things aren't working. <clears throat> So I raised my hand. I said, you know, here's like an idea, just a concept. Since we all are in agreement that a lot of these kids would benefit from occupational therapy. And that's just not a possibility because of the requirements, the what the standards that they have to meet. What if, you know, you work with interior mm-hmm. designers that have an area of expertise of looking at sensory supported environment spaces and working with occupational therapists mm-hmm. and then doing some continuing ed and teaching teachers, Mm -hmm. gen ed, as well as special ed teachers about what sensory supportive classrooms look like, because then you might see 30% of the kids that were struggling might actually, you might not see those struggles anymore. And so then you're not frustrated. You're not dealing with behaviors. You're not dealing with resistance. Um, and so for 30%, who knows, maybe more of those kids might actually, the problems could significantly improve Mm -hmm. the challenges could improve by simply looking at these classroom environments and be looking at these spaces and making changes. I have to be honest, every classroom when I walk in, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, it's just like, do we have to have so much crap on the Exactly. And the thing about it is what's interesting about this, almost every classroom in in America, I think it's like you walk in, you're like on overload because it's just every, every, you have to display everybody's work. And then occasionally You'll walk into a classroom where it's like, wow, there's nothing like you have these like rogue teachers where you're just like, oh, yeah, I don't do that. I don't do that. And I've got pillows everywhere and I have this, that and the other. And I don't have a bunch of stuff on the walls. And I painted my walls different than all the other classrooms. And you're just like, whoa, I like this. That's right. And you want to spend time in there. Yes, you do. And yet um, it's so infrequent that you come across these teachers that are like, oh yeah, yeah, no, I don't do that. Like, you know, I'll put, I have a bulletin board outside of my classroom that I put and display stuff, but yeah, we don't do that in here. And it's like, and so I took a class from the university of Washington came last summer and did like, oh gosh, I think it was like a 20 hour class over the course of four days. And they were talking about, you know, sensory stuff. And they were showing classrooms, like, which classroom would you rather be in? This one, yep. which is your typical classroom in America, or like this one. And it was that mm-hmm. rogue teacher that had this beautiful, inviting space that was sensory supportive. And it was just like, and they, they were doing a survey, like every single teacher in this classroom, and there was probably like 30 teachers are like, oh, this right. one. Well, then why are right. you all creating this right. one? Because it's just kind of like hardwired, yeah. I guess. Like, I guess maybe they don't know that there's other options. Yeah. And I think that there was an... um you know, an idea when schools started to become public and, and in these huge, you know, new community builds and that somehow these primary colors made us excited to be there. Oh, it's colorful. Our kids are going to love it in here. 
well, I'm sure that worked for a little while, but yeah. until life started to change, we're no longer having kids work on farms. We're no longer, yes, they're, not, know, outside, they're not outside getting, getting that physical yeah, activity and, uh, that they once yeah, were. And heavy work and, and all of these things. My son had his fourth grade teacher. We was when it really became apparent that this was a problem. And when I say that there was stuff on every single wall, every single space, any open space, I mean, it even had doubled up. She was layering. She was layering good. I'm just cringing. It may, and books everywhere. Now, the benefit oh, that there is to those rooms is that acoustically. Oh, it sucks up a lot. It sucks up a lot of loud noises. And as we True. know, that those classrooms can be so loud. Oh, yeah. So loud. However, she still had harsh lighting. She had a... Um, an air conditioner that was buzzing. It bothered me when I was in there that it buzzed so loud. I just, and Everett had, it was the worst year he had ever had in his, in school ever, ever, ever. He'd come home. He would be, um, he would just be off every yeah. day. So it wasn't until again, I went into her classroom and I kind of started to get that conversation going that like, Hey, you know, this is what's happening. Granted, I've got one kid and nobody else is complaining about it. So we have to be oh, a voice yeah. for millions, obviously. Yes. Yeah. So what we kind of say, if they're open to listening, turn the overhead lights off. Just yeah. turn them off. If you have natural light, that's the best thing to bring in. Now, if you can't okay. turn those overhead lights off, create a way that you can soften them. We've um, done sheets where we cut the shape of their two by four, their two foot by four foot mm -hmm. lights overhead. And we glue magnets on them because they're metal. And so yes. those you can pop up there and give a little cushion to the, to the drape. I've seen right? them. I actually saw them the other day and yeah, I was they're like, they're becoming more brilliant. and more popular. Yes. Like you can now order yeah. them just online in whatever color Absolutely. you want. And they are like, drapey. yeah. So that gives a little bit of room for the heat so that there's their mm -hmm. the fabric is not touching the, mm -hmm. the bulb directly, but those will filter the lights and give it a softer feel. It's not that harsh glow. Cause looking at a yeah. bulb, is, is hard on our eyes. I'm not sure who came up with this whole Edison bulb thing. And we love it as designers. But if I stop and look at it from a sensory perspective, it's really intrusive it's, to our eyeballs. Yeah. yeah. So those are things that we can do is, is if you do want to have displays on your walls, let's contain them and put them within, you know, on a, on an acoustical board, maybe mm -hmm. so that they're, when, when it's not confined, when it doesn't have a border around it, our eyes mm -hmm. just go everywhere. There's no stopping. And what we call them are eye pauses. So oh. we want to have an eye pause when I look into a space. I don't want to just see everything at once. Again, yeah. I think of it as a symphony. I want to I hear it and I want to experience it all together. Wiggle seats, of course. But would I it, love wiggle seats. And, and it's hard because I always want to say, gosh, if we could just get bean bags in here, if we could get, you know, that deep pressure sitting then that would be beneficial for these kiddos as well. Carpet. So if you go into a classroom that mm. is hard surface. Okay. And most classrooms don't have oh. any carpet anymore. Or if they do, it's that really like that thin, 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 yeah. thin stuff. That's just. Yeah. So if, if you have that LVP, which is what everybody's going with now because it's so user-friendly, bring in a carpet and yes, you're going to have to clean it. It's yeah. just buy something inexpensive that you're going to throw away. Every oh, yeah. couple of months or at the end of the school year, if you've got really good, you know, older kids, but lamps, lamps are another big one. And I am starting to see an influx of teachers bringing in lamp lighting so mm -hmm. that they can turn off those overhead lightings. Cause I think it bothers them as just as much as the, oh, I think the so kids. Too. So, and then of course the primary colors, I touched on that a little bit is the bright red, that green, that blue, the yellows, let's soften it. The funny thing is in the industry, we talk about 
when clients come to us, they want to have their house. This is what we get. Number one request. I just want to feel like it's a spa. So let's take that same approach. Yeah. Why do they want it to be a spa? Well, what's the first thing that you see when you go into a spa? It's all monochromatic. So that means yeah. it's all one color or shades of one color. Mm-hmm. Um, it's soft. The lighting is low. It feels tranquil. There's some sort of usually an auditory um, stimulation, like a fountain going on or yeah. something that's going to absorb other little white noises that we don't want to hear. The colors are muted. These are spectacular things to do for our classroom. The other thing too, is that you were talking in one of your presentations is plants. Plants. That's a, thank you for saying that. Yes. Bringing as much nature in that you can yes. bring in is so beneficial. Because when I think of a spa, a lot of times yeah. they have a lot of greenery and stuff. And so then of course that was part of your presentation is like plants, yeah. bring lots of plants, plants, plants in. in and, and I think and to natural light, natural light. And I think to myself too, if you were to build those elements into a classroom alone, mm-hmm. what was the last time you saw a plant in a classroom? I can't say because you know, they're like, Oh, I just, one thing more thing I have to do if I have to water yeah. it or. Yeah. But you'll have a gerbil. Yeah. <laughs> All right. How about plants? Yeah, And it could be another job for another kid. They're like, Oh, every oh, Wednesday absolutely. morning you have to water the plant. Yeah. Plants, and plural. And I think also too, you know, now, you know, there's the whole concept of talking to your plants mm-hmm. because they like grow more. So, Hey, that's like read to the right. plant. You Absolutely. know what I'm saying? I feel like there's lots of opportunities Absolutely. to bring that in there from a sensory supportive perspective. But then also it's like, Hey, science tells us let's do an experiment. Mm-hmm. Like let's build some science around mm-hmm. this. Like, so this is the plant we're going to talk to and read our stories to. And this is going to be the plant that we're not talking right. to. And maybe every kid I think gets it, a plant at the beginning of the semester. Yeah. And- and I think it's one of those things where you could have a lot of fun yeah, with that. Definitely but, teachable uh, moments there. Absolutely. Okay. So what I'm hearing from you is stay away from the primary. Stay colors. away from them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's nothing good no. to be happened. Um, muting it down yep. like with the gray yep. tones. Um, again, thinking about acoustics yeah. and acoustics is more than just like, you know, you're not um, talking about like, um, you know, like high ceilings, obviously right. high ceilings. It's more of like figuring out. What kind of surfaces, surfaces are happening are in, in your space. space everywhere? Are they all hard? Get making sure you have that mix of hard and soft and t- um, tactile. So we, we call our texture, texture finishes. Um, leather doesn't have a lot of texture to it, but wool does. Wool's going to absorb oh, more of the more sound, sound than a leather, than leather chair would. Because yes. it has those pockets and, and it's breathable. And that's also under the, the lead world is that wool is a natural product. And mm-hmm. so there's less problems with allergies and it's also oh. very cleanable and it's self-extinguishing in a fire if you need to. Oh, see, <laughs> you know, and we love to hear that. You know, I'm sure that, you know, my firefighter friends that's are right. going to be like, yep, that's right. yep, for sure. Um, so now, and then also hiding the clutter, figuring yeah. out creative ways of getting clutter out of yep. sight because clutter just adds to that um, visual overstimulation. Visual overstimulation, absolutely. Yes, and so build-ins, build if you ins, can, yeah, yeah built-ins are a better option mm-hmm. versus adding more surfaces. Right, because they take, you know, they're close to the wall, they're sucked into some, most of the time they're niched in to some little weird thing that you have in your house. They're not taking up that pathway footprint. And so pathways are really important, especially if you have a kid that's a thrasher. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and that's again, I mean, that whole opens up a whole other ball game of, of talking about surfaces that making sure that they're soft and, and not hard so that they don't get hurt. And that's why we want area rugs and not hard surface flooring and blah, blah, blah. So yeah. And window treatments, and window treatments window are really treatments. important because again, they're absorbing sound, they're filtering light. Yeah. Um, and they just look better in a room. 
Room's not finished yes. until it has window treatments. And again, well, like what you're saying too is, you know, if we're talking about sensory friendly, supportive environments that you might actually be surprised yeah. that that is the missing link in yeah. your room. Yeah. Right? And, uh, you know, another funny thing about window treatments is it, and in classrooms, this is, this could be something that the teachers could do as well is they provide what we call pause moments, pause places. And those are those, those areas that your kiddo can go. Maybe their room isn't, maybe they share a room and they just can't get away from anybody. And so underneath stairs, if you want to carve out something, you always need to have a pause place, but behind drapes are a good pause place. Yes, you're right. So, you know, that that's kind of a benefit. You know, it just occurred to me too, because like, I feel like we could talk about this for hours and hours. Um, and so we will have Carter back so we can talk more about this. And I would actually love to have like some parents come in that have questions for yeah. you. But with that being said, um, one of the things that we have in autism world is we have elopers where they like are getting out of their house and mm-hmm. they're going to explore some mm-hmm. of those things. And it makes me then wonder if we were creating like their bedrooms and focusing on their rooms, being more sensory supportive mm-hmm. and looking and analyzing some of the the sensory needs that they have and things that we could be doing within their room to make it more sensory environment friendly environment. Would they be wanting to elope? More? Right. I mean, chance, right. some will regardless, right. but it makes me think if this is where they're calm and it's regulating and it's sensory supportive, mm-hmm. it really begs the question as to whether or not we're going to really have to be fighting right. them to keep them in their room. Right. If that is where like that's where they're their meltdown, pause, their pause yeah. place. You know what I'm saying? Um, So, you know, for those that are listening, I think it's worth um, talking about um, or thinking about in terms of those kiddos that were having difficult time keeping them in spaces Mm -hmm. um, or finding a pause place, if you will, and and figuring out what that looks like in your home. Now, again, and I understand that you are not a lead Mm -hmm. certified graphic or interior designer. Is it something where you would be open if families are interested and reaching out and getting more information? Is it something where we can add your information to this post that they have a means yeah, to contact absolutely. you? Absolutely. Um, because I feel like as a mom, yeah. you're more dialed in um, probably, again, like what you're saying, a lot of those people that has those certifications, they get into yeah. it because usually there's some way t- somehow touched um, by a disability yeah. or autism. And so that is kind of their personal um, niche. But for you, I feel like while be it, you don't have a lead certification. This is your yeah. life. You've been yeah. dealing with this yeah. for a long time. So you're definitely a good person to vet. Um, and just with all of your training and expertise, you know, obviously her spaces are amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I would highly recommend going to your guys's website. Yeah. We'll add that to this podcast too. So you can go to the website and see some of the before yeah. and afters because yeah. it's mesmerizing. It really is. Um, is there anything else that I've forgotten to, cause we've talked about this topic so much just in our passing, just, you know, kind of, um, you know, connecting and, and chatting. Is there anything that we've forgotten to, I don't, I am. Well, again, I think they're, they're each little topic can be a podcast in itself. Yeah. Um, when I was doing a little bit of, uh, preparing for the podcast and, and just rethinking about my own home and, and my kids own space and what I've been having to do for the last 12 years, it changes. And I would say really prepare yourself for, Things that you do are going to work for right now, and you may have to rethink that in the next two years, in the next four years, as your child ages and as their their spectrum progresses, either good or bad, you're going to always have to relook at your space and go, is this working for my kid now? And if, if it's not finding out how we can make that work, 
asking your kiddos though, really, unfortunately, because this is just something that I think is out of the realm of, Hey, I always ask my son, you know, is your room okay? Do you want it redone? How are you feeling in your space? I'm fine, mom. Cause he's 12 yeah. and, and yeah. he's kind of, and I don't know that they know really no, how to they articulate don't. They those, don't. but it's you of- watching as a parent. It's you, mm-hmm. um, even just maybe your space in itself, maybe you're not on the spectrum, but you feel like when you walk into your room, you go, oh, there's just something's not right here. And when you walk mm-hmm. in, you want to go, oh, I, I just feel like I got hugged by my space. Pay attention yeah. to what you're looking at immediately when you walk in your house. Does it, that makes you get that, that makes feeling, you get that feeling, you know, it's or something that just, you look at it and it's just like, oh, I don't even want to deal with absolutely. this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're crawling in bed and pulling the covers yeah. over your head, it's a sign that your space is. Yeah. Or working. if you never hang out in that one room, you're never, mm-hmm. you never eat in the dining room. Well, why don't you ever eat in the dining room? Well, the seats are yeah. uncomfortable or it's loud in there. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you know, it's just not, maybe the ceilings are too high. Well, and too, um, we say this all the time, but behavior is communication. Mm-hmm. So while Absolutely. they may not be able to articulate, what about that yeah. space isn't working for them? That's where observing. Yeah making notes of things they're gravitating to or spaces that they avoid yeah. um, and making some of those mental notes uh, is worth definitely worth the effort. Yeah. So one of the other spaces that would be a good topic too um, is that we could, we had to stop going to church for years and years and years because that was one of also the least thought about spaces is because it's loud for kids. Oh, the acoustics kids in churches church. suck. I don't care what yeah. church you're in. It's very echoey with all the music. Yeah. Um, microphones that are bad. And then of course, you go to children's, children's church, church, the louder, and the then, better apparently. They oh think. yeah. And I'm telling you, chaos is apparently somehow like embraced yeah. and I'm with you. It's just complete and total chaos. So it's just kind of retuning yourself to when you walk into your spaces and see how your kid kind of acts, see how, how they feel. Are they, are they gravitating towards one space versus another space and just start to tune, tune yourself into maybe why, why yeah. is that? Just ask questions and then bring the questions to me. Yes, because don't find it. Try don't try and find it no, on HGTV. It, you're never you. gonna. It's not. And even uh, Pinterest, nope. it's probably not gonna nope. be there either. It's amazing how little conversation or focus is really like on this particular yeah. topic. You really can't. You really can't. It. However, it is growing in the industry, and it is finally getting a little bit of light that it never used to have. Maybe this is going to be your niche. Then you're going to just find this little like explosion of this, you know, niche of just being able to open yeah. the dialogue. So there's more awareness. Yeah. Maybe this podcast will be part of it. <laughs> Who knows? Carter, there's all sorts of possibilities. There are. Let's just keep podcasting on sensory supportive like environments and what that looks like. We're just going to like keep adding to our little library because um, I definitely think it's worth having conversations sure. about and forcing conversations in schools and other um, community um, locations too. So, all right, well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up for Isaac's Autism Wild podcast. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe and just remember we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.